Hey, welcome to the final week of Kingdom Builders 2022. This is a series that for our church is about far more than just finances. This is, this is about legacy. This is about sacrificing for our children's children to build something bigger than ourselves. This is about worship, it really is. And you are not sitting um, in an ordinary church right now. You are sitting in the middle of a gritty, uh, kind of scrappy, faith-filled, um, kind of crazy community called Red Rocks in a moment that is not a common moment in the history of the world on a day um, that is pivotal for us in, in, in so many ways. And I'm so grateful and glad that you are here. And today we get to do something that for so many of us has become such a joy and a privilege over the year and it's give in a year end offering. And we've been asking this question for weeks now. God, based on all the ways that you've blessed me, what can I give at the end of this year to build your kingdom and not mine? And today I don't have an instruction. I certainly don't have obligation. I just believe God has invitation for all of us to build his kingdom because I truly believe for all that we've seen, we really ain't seen nothing yet. And for me, giving above and beyond at the end of every year is, the, is my favorite thing that we do as a church. For my wife and I, we just, if I could pick any day of the year, I'm being so, I'm gonna be really honest with you and bold with you today, but if I could pick any day of the year for a first time guest to be here, it would not be Easter or Christmas, it would be today, because today you get to see what this church is really made of. Today you get to see living sacrifice in action. Today you get to see evidence of what we really believe. Today you get to see real people with real bills and burdens do something that seems illogical and maybe kind of crazy if God's not real, but only if God's not real. So the title of this message is Unblock the Blessing. Unblock the Blessing. So Holy Spirit, speak through me today. Open our ears and our hearts. We love you, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Mark chapter 10, if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, go to Mark chapter 10, that's where we're gonna be. We're gonna be talking about the story of the rich, young ruler. Should be about three quarters of the way through your Bible, Mark 10, you need more time, say hold up, anybody? We're good, we're there, you little theologians. Just in your Bibles all the time, aren't you? Mark chapter 10, we're gonna start in verse 17. Here we go, it'll be on the screen too. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. So pause right there. So this guy, the rich young ruler, apparently has the good life, does he not? I mean, he's got wealth, he's got youth, he's got power, but this guy runs to Jesus and falls to his knees in front of God. Why? Cause he still hasn't fed. Why do I do that? I don't know. I just break out into song to make a point so you don't forget it. He still hasn't found what he's looking for. Oh, maybe cause I'm awesome at it, I don't know. He still hasn't found what he's looking for. And I love this guy, this guy's like us. He comes to church hoping to add something to his life, but Jesus is about to ask him for his life. 
Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. Nobody is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, don't defraud and honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these I have kept since I was a boy, and then I love this part. Jesus looked at him and loved him. So this guy asks a very interesting question, doesn't he? Good teacher, what do I have to do to get eternal life. And by the way, eternal life in the Greek is this word zoe. It's this amazing word that speaks of heaven forever then and there, but also the fullness of life in the here and now. And in case you're asking the same question, yeah, how do I, how do I get that? What do I have to do? The answer is easier than your question. Put your faith in Jesus, that's it. Put your faith in the word that became flesh. Put your faith in the, the God who put on skin and bone, came to this planet and did for you what you could never do on your own. That This is the gospel, plain and simple. Because of Jesus, you are now loved and valued and chosen and called in every way possible. The work is done, his blood is enough. And the real challenge of following Jesus and being a Christian is just trying to figure out how to live like you actually believe news that good could be true for you. That you actually don't have to do anything because God already gave everything for God so loved the world that he, that he gave. And that means, I don't think Christians should, should, for like, no, that we should no longer get to ask that question, what do I have to do? From salvation on, our new question is this, what do I get to do. And that's because Jesus has changed the game from an outside-in kind of religion to this inside-out sort of transformation. I'll give you just one example. Jesus never said, don't murder. He actually called us to something higher than that. He said, you've heard it said this, but I tell you this. I say, it's not just don't murder. He said, you get to live free from anger in your heart. This isn't just about not having an affair. You get to live free from lust in your heart. And he's trying to get the rich young ruler to see that you don't have to live for your salvation. You now get to live from your salvation. You don't have to appease God. You get to enjoy him. You don't have to give. You get to live a life of generosity. And living a generous life is a higher calling, a greater honor and a greater level of living than just put some money in a basket because you should. What do I have to do is a small and religious question. Jesus, what do I have to give? And he would say, as long as that's your question, I'd rather you give nothing. This is zero obligation. This only ever has been invitation. It's not, our, our church needs nothing from you. God has something for you and what he has for you, heaven forever, then and there, and good plans today. So let's keep going, verse 21. Jesus looked at this guy and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And by the way, you don't have to, you get to. So let me ask you this, for a guy known around town as the rich young ruler, I mean, if that's your reputation, like shouldn't at least this guy have financial peace? Shouldn't at least this guy have found what all of us are looking for? Shouldn't at least this guy be living the good life? I mean, he has everything and yet he has he has nothing and he knows it. 
That's why he's running to Jesus. That's also why Jesus tells him to do something kind of crazy, give. First Timothy 6, 17 through 19 says, to all the rich of this world, now you might not feel that, but that's all of us. To all the rich of this world, I command you not to be wrapped in thoughts of pride over your prosperity or rely on your wealth, for your riches are unreliable and nothing compared to the living God. Maybe that's why he was running to Jesus. Trust instead in the one who, everybody say, lavishes, lavishes upon us all good things, fulfilling our every need. Man, we have a good father who not only knows what we need, but also apparently knows how to lavish good things onto his kids who trust him with their treasure. And I think, I really, really believe Jesus would have given this guy back everything a hundredfold. I'm so serious. In the form of finances for the kingdom, in, in the form of fruit of the spirit, like peace, joy, and, and purpose. I just picture this guy like this going, Jesus, I've almost got everything. I've almost figured it out. I've almost got it all. What am I missing? Help me see what I'm missing. And Jesus is trying to get this guy to see the blessing of God is like a river. It just flows until it's blocked and you're blocking it and that's what you're missing. God's like, I'll get it to you if you can show me I can get it through you. We are not, we are not designed to be vaults that store. We are vessels that steward. God says to us, I'm just trying to work through you by the way, as you walk freely in my blessing. First Timothy finishes this way. Remind the wealthy to be rich in remarkable works of extravagant generosity, willing to share with others. And then the last verse in the NIV. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly Life, once again, same Greek word that the rich young ruler was asking about, zoe. This life that is the real good life, the fullness of purpose, the, the confidence that comes from the righteousness of your salvation, the, uh, the peace of living with God's promised provision. In other words, when you live and give today with eternity in mind, and when you invest your treasure into something that will matter forever, not only are you building up a firm foundation for the coming age for yourself, but apparently today you will also begin to take hold of the life that is truly life right now. It's just that you can't do that. When you're wearing the weight of money. This is always heavier than I think it's gonna be when I put it on. It's like 40 pounds, by the way. I know you're impressed. You just, you look at me and you're just, you're just tired looking at me. It's the weight of money. Uh, this takes on different versions for all of us. Some of us were brought up in a family that had a scarcity mindset, and so your weight is this constant fear of running out. Some of us are hunkered down, panicked about the future, and your weight is the worry that you won't have enough. Some of us are trying to find our significance in a salary, and your weight that you live with is this never-ending pursuit and chase of more. Some of us are desperately trying to buy happiness 
and your weight is credit cards and debt and year after year building and just weighing down on your shoulders. For some of you, for some, like you're climbing the ladder of success, but your weight is this sinking low grade sensation that you're succeeding in all the things that won't matter in eternity. For some of us, this weight has to do with status and significance. For others, it's safety and security. It is a top cause of anxiety and the number one reason for divorce in our country. Regardless of what your version of this is, we all wear the weight of money and all of us think my way out of this is just if I can get more money, I can finally get this thing off of me and live free. Now, hear my heart, wealth is a heaven thing. You understand that, right? Greed is a hell thing. But Christians who understand wealth literally change this planet. According to Barna.org, 70% of all American philanthropy comes from the bank accounts of Christians. This year, Christians will give $300 billion. The church will outgive the US government this year. Oh, wealth is, wealth is good. It's just money, regardless of if you have a lot or a little, it's so easy for it to have us. It's so easy for it to wrap itself around us in different, in different ways. Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said, nobody can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot, somebody say cannot, serve both God and money. That's not a command, it's an observation. He doesn't say don't, he says you couldn't if you tried. You can't live with the weight of money and take hold of the life that is truly life at the same time. Probably why scripture mentions finances by far more than anything else. Like why do you think God invented giving in the first place? For him? The universe is his and the fullness thereof. Like, I love when people say, oh, God just needs my money. I'm like, how much do you have? <laughs> the guy who talks and makes galaxies needs access to your bank account? Like, please, God does not need your money. He wants your heart. Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you hear a voice just right now telling you, it's a guilt trip, Church just wants your money, maybe next year. First of all, give somewhere else, please. We say this all the time, just trying to build a generous generation. Second, oh, okay, give next year, but let me ask you today, does that really sound like God? Does that really sound like the spirit within you that's ready, eager, and willing for all things in God? Or is that more of like a, a flesh voice? Is that more coming from maybe a different source? Because the devil's never gonna dare you to give. And God is never gonna tell you to play it safe. Why? Because he knows when I get your treasure, I get you. And when God gets you, you get his kingdom. I think that's why generosity over the years has become my just favorite topic to preach about, and I'm so serious. Not only because of what a resourced church can do in this world, the impact we can continue to make and the, the, the ways we can make heaven more crowded, but also for all the ways it gives you and me the freedom that we've been trying to buy. And I just, I believe in this more and more, like we preach boldly about it because Jesus did. 
You guys, this won't be on the screen, but in Malachi chapter three, this is the only time in scripture where God says, test me in this. I always get kind of a little afraid preaching that chapter because I'm like, it, it just sounds prosperity, Jesus. But he goes, this is, this is scripture. It's not my idea. He says, just try me in this. Return to me and then watch how I return it back to you. Test me, see how I won't just throw the floodgates of heaven so far open that the blessing like a raging river will flow into your life in ways that, that you wouldn't believe, even if I told you in ways that, uh, that, that you're not even ready for. Just try me and see. And so my question for you, if you're having financial troubles now, you need that breakthrough now, and your temptation is, well, I'll wait until I don't need that breakthrough. I go, doesn't right now sound like the right time to try him? I mean, doesn't right now sound like the time to unblock the blessing of God in your life? Because I'm telling you, the word sacrifice only sounds like a heavy word. In reality, this is what sacrifice feels like. When I give, I go, oh. Whew. You wanna see that again in slow motion? <laughs> to quote Sean, God, my financial problems are now yours. Sorry about the visas. <laughs> I just freely and lightly take hold of the life that is, is truly life, by the way. Zoe, heaven forever, then and there, the fullness of life now. What, how would I describe that? The fullness of purpose, waking up in the morning with that. The peace of God's promised provision, knows he, knowing he sees me, not just what I need, but also the desires of my heart. The, the joy of getting to play with house money because I see all of this as his. I'm not an owner of anything. I'm a manager of everything. Here to just steward. And so God, me returning, I, like I'm not an employee, I'm a son. So me returning 10% back is just normal and me giving above and beyond that is an honor and a privilege because this is, the world is yours and the, the fullness thereof, thank you. You worry about it, you see me, you know my needs more than I do. And then purpose and joy and peace that just unblock the blessing of the fruit of the spirit in your life. This is the, the revelation. I, I don't need a salary to have significance. I don't need more stuff to have that safety or security. A bigger house is great and I'll take it, but I'll actually probably enjoy it more because I no longer need it because everything I'm looking for, I have found in the living God, in the living God. I'm a child of God. When you realize that, you get that revelation into your heart with unlimited access to his infinite kingdom, his infinite resources. I mean, this is part of the, the new covenant package in Jesus that should have all Christians just kind of walking around with that, that sort of holy swagger shouting at the top of our lungs. Can you believe we get to do this? Can you believe I get to live a life of generosity? Time Magazine recently published an article called Being Generous Really Does Make You Happier inspired by scientific studies that show a positive correlation between um, generosity and lower blood pressure, generosity and health, generosity and lower stress, and therefore generosity and a longer life expectancy. I'm like, Jesus, maybe, just maybe you are onto something. Dave Ramsey says money, uh, it makes you, it's not, it's not, money is the root of all evil, no. The love of money, money having you, is the root of all evil. Money's not good or evil, it's neutral. 
Dave Ramsey says, more money, it just makes you more of what you already are. I would follow that up. I didn't ask Dave for permission to do this, but I would put a comma there and say, it's giving that actually changes who you are. It's like for freedom, heaven prescribes generosity because of the supernatural symptoms. We're about to go into January where we make New Year's resolutions about what we wanna do, hoping it changes, maybe just maybe who we are. But giving is one of those rare things that just goes straight to your heart. What you do with your treasure directly affects the substance of who you are. And I feel like when you open your hands in that sort of way with your treasure, something that precious, it just, it transforms. It's like a fast pass at Disney World for transformation, like straight to the, the front of the line giving in a way that just kind of makes you go, wow, God, <laughs> like I'm, I'm really doing this. I'm not, I'm not just, let's see if this works. I'm like, no, let's really see what you're talking about. And for some, $50 will do that. I know for some, 50,000 won't. For Jesus, he looks at the rich young ruler and I think he knows it has to be everything and nothing less. My wife and I were halfway through our honeymoon about eight years ago when I got emailed a job offer from Red Rocks, I know some of you are like, dude, why are you checking your email on a honeymoon? Isn't there something else you're supposed to be up to, you know? <laughs> Quote Phoebe Buffay, great honeymooning tiger. I know I needed a job, all right? Um, check our emails. We got emailed this job offer. It was 15K a year, no bennies. That's street talk for benefits. And it was part-time. Which is, in ministry, is like, you, you work full-time, you just get paid part-time. And um, I also had another job offer from another church, 40K a year, plus benefits. And I just, you know, you know and you know in your knower. I just knew God was calling us to, to Red Rocks Church, but I thought, I have a family now to like, I have more to lose. I, I have to make the, the responsible decision. And I couldn't, I couldn't make the decision. And it was actually on our flight home from the honeymoon that my wife, um, I'll quote her, she said, I'm gonna put my foot down, babe. And uh, she, uh, by the way, not only has women's intuition, which husbands is a real thing for sure, um, but also has the spiritual gift of discernment and boldness and stubbornness <laughs> and sassiness, very gifted. and. And she said, babe, I'm putting my foot down. She said, we're going to Red Rocks. It was actually my wife who decided that, it, she just kind of has known when it comes to a lot of the biggest things. And, and she said, you know he's calling us. And if he's calling us, she, she actually said something of this version. You think because you have more to lose now that you need to hold on tighter to what you have. Part of you, I'll say this to you. I think some of you even think control is the responsible thing to do. She said, you know he's calling us. If he's calling us, he'll equip us. If he's calling us, he'll go with us. If he's calling us, he'll provide for us. If he's calling us, he's got us. If I know my father, then I know my father has good plans for you, but you will only ever experience them to the extent that you say yes to him. If God's going with us, then God is. And I just, I look back on that season and I go, God, you were with us. Was it all mountaintops? No. A lot of valleys, man. And I just, that season, man, making 15,000, no health insurance, just being super careful for like a year and a half. 
and Sam working a minimum wage retail job. Um, and that's a very honorable job. I just think for her, she's going, man, I got a degree in something else. I have dreams of doing something else. I look back just so proud of her for embracing that season and finding a lot of purpose in that job. And a lot of our purpose that we found together came from giving. It's not about an amount, it's about your relationship with your treasure. Like we felt like we were, we were, we're part of something right now. Um, from never missing a, a paycheck of tithing to giving above and beyond when there's babies on the way and mortgages to pay. And I mean, you guys know my heart. I, I'm way more comfortable preaching from weaknesses and mistakes. I got way more of those. But with this, I just, I look back on that season and I'm very, very just proud of it. I mean, that's, that's when you wanna unblock the blessing of God in your life. Made a decision with Sam to live in a way where we go, we're not, we're not gonna wear the weight of money. Our family doesn't have to wear this, regardless of how much we have, regardless of what season we're in, we're, we're not wearing that. Life is short, I only get one. We got, we got life and life to the full to take hold of. The most responsible thing you can do in the kingdom of heaven is not control, it's trust. The safest, most secure place that exists anywhere is right smack in the middle of God's will for your life, wherever that is. The value and significance you're looking for is, is found in your kingdom worth, not your net worth. Freedom is when you realize that you have a God of abundance in every way who knows not just what you need, but also what you dream about and his words, not mine, how to lavish good things onto the kids who trust him with their treasure. He's got plans for you. He wants you to take hold of the life that is truly life, but you will only step into them to the extent that you, that you trust him. And I think Jesus goes, this is the hardest thing to trust me with. If you can do this, I get your heart, you get my kingdom. Let's go. And until I get that from you, there's a bit of a holding pattern. And sadly, that's what happened for the rich young ruler. Jesus said to him, try me, trade your kingdom for mine. And then verse 22, the man's face clouded over. This was the last thing he expected to hear. He walked off with a heavy heart for he was holding on tight to a lot of things and not about to let go. And I think, man, if only that guy could have let go. The open hand posture, you can't receive unless your hands are open. God's trying to give to you, your hands are like this. That guy couldn't let go. I go, oh, the blessing he could have unblocked. Not just his life, I'm talking the impact that, could, that guy could have made. The, the fullness of purpose that guy could have been walking in. The ways he could have just unblocked. I mean, Jesus would go, you, you got, he, he, I think what he was thinking to this kid was, this is what you have. You, you think that's something? Man, that ain't, that ain't, you ain't seen nothing yet. And this isn't just about you. Like this is about undamming this river of blessing for the world. If we saw a generous generation of Christians, this planet would literally be changed in every way. It flows until it's blocked. Jesus goes, man, you ain't seen, like you think that you've seen something. I picture him talking to, to Philip and going, Philip, you believe because I say I saw you under a fig tree. I tell you the truth, you will see greater things than that. Like Jesus, after he raises his buddy Lazarus from the grave, after he was dead for four days, Jesus tells him to stop being dead. 
And then he looks at the crowd and goes, did I not tell you? If you believe and you live like you believe, you will see the glories of God. Jesus said, you will do and see even greater things than me. When God gets our treasure, he gets our hearts. When God gets our hearts, then Red Rocks, truly, 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 we ain't seen nothing yet. And so my question for you is, do you see what could be in your life, in our church, in this world? Because 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. That's where bold belief works in your favor because you tend just to sow more. Because God doesn't give trees, God gives seeds. The question is, do you want for the rest of your life to walk in the favor of the seeds in your pocket? Or do you wanna walk in the favor of the forest those seeds could turn into if you release them? If you let them go, I think, of, I think of the parable of the talents because faith does not maintain, faith multiplies. And Jesus told the story, the parable of the talents where he says, Jesus was saying like, you got one guy who got five, one guy had two, one guy had one. And then the master comes back and says, what'd you do with it? And the guys with five and two say, we multiplied it. But the guy who only was given one said, I was afraid I'd lose it. So I just maintained it, I buried it. And Jesus said, the master calls that guy wicked calls him lazy, takes the one from him, gives it to the other guys who are actually going to do something with it. I go, man, if you ever find yourself sort of looking around wondering, why, why does it seem like they're getting more opportunities, more, more promotions, more, more resources, seems like their worlds are just getting larger and larger, it might mean because you need to leave today with the revelation they already have that faith does not maintain, faith multiplies, but in order for faith to multiply it, you gotta give, you gotta sow, you gotta release, you gotta plant what you got. To plant a garden is to believe in tomorrow. You could say, if you're not sowing, are you believing? leaving. A week before we moved to plant this church, I've told you guys this story. In Denver, I had a well-meaning Christian come up to me and say very sternly, I don't think you're supposed to go to Austin. He said, uh, that's where church plants go to die. Nobody knows Jesus in Austin. Don't go start a church there. And I, I, I like, thought he was kidding for a second. I did a double take. And when I realized he was serious, I said, Ethan, man, you have no idea. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but he really said that, and I go, no, nobody knows. That's why we're going. <laughs> Are we serious? Like, if that's true, nobody knows Jesus in Austin. Well, let's go plant a church and start sowing seeds. You guys, I know that the world is crazy right now. I know that times are kind of brutal. I know every stat that you have is bad. I know that the amount of people who want nothing to do with God has increased from 18% in the silent generation to 45% in millennials, and we don't even know Gen Z yet. I know the studies are saying that the church in the West is right now in an irreversible decline, barring a move of God. But with all due respect, I also know we have a God who moves. This is what he does. This is when the church is at her best. Like, I don't care what you see because I boldly believe in what could be. I don't just see a dirt field. I also see a potential harvest right around the corner if we'll sow into it. I don't just see stats. I see the stories worth sacrificing for right behind them. 
Do you see all the problems or do you see so much, so much potential? Because I also know there is a reason. There is a reason the rich young ruler ran to Jesus that day, a guy who has everything and yet nothing. Had everything and yet had not the, the only eternal thing that mattered, didn't have it. So he ran to Jesus. You guys, people are desperate for love outside of these four walls and they're looking for Jesus, whether they realize it or not, and they're gonna come running. In fact, it's already started. And that's why we give to build front porches to welcome more and more of them home. Because I'm telling you, as the secular gospel continues to overpromise and under deliver, and as people continue to not find what they're looking for, Jesus is gonna become more and more intriguing to millions of people who never in a billion years ever thought that he would and lighthouses called the church have an opportunity as the world gets darker to shine brighter and brighter and brighter. That's why we give. That's why we live in a way that demands an explanation from those who don't know God. I don't want to handle my money the same way as my neighbor who doesn't know Jesus. I want to look different. I want my kids to grow up living stories of generosity watching their parents, watching their parents sacrifice, watching their parents put their treasure where their faith was because they believe so boldly in the church of Jesus that they sewed into it, that they got skin in the game and in doing so in the process lived without the weight of money around our home and around our family and slowly but surely stepped into the life that is truly life, amen? I wanna invest my treasure into something That'll matter forever, man. We're about to do that. We're about to do that. But before we sow into what God's about to do, let's watch what God has already done from the eternal sacrifices we have already made. Watch this video. This year, one of the coolest things we got to do was take 10 students from Red Rocks Austin Youth and join the youth team in Denver for their annual retreat. And we were able to see students give their lives to Christ, um, pray for each other, ask serious questions about faith, about future, and change the trajectory of their lives all in one powerful weekend. And we're just getting started. It was amazing. I've never felt closer to God. I will be a new person once I go back to my life. being part of Red Rocks Kids because I love seeing kids learn about a God that loves them for the first time. Red Rocks Kids has been such a blessing for our family. They're actually pouring scripture and the truths of the Bible into our kids' lives and um, yeah, it's just such a gift, such a gift. In 2022, we saw 193 amazing groups get launched over the course of three semesters, and each semester saw an average of 90 amazing leaders and 750 signups.
This was a huge year for outreach at Red Rocks Austin. We got to launch our very first God Behind Bars campus and send a team every Saturday to love on our ladies at the Murray unit. We got to see over 100 people participate in Love Our City Week and continue building awesome relationships with our partners here in Austin. I want forgiveness of my sins. I want his spirit living in me. I want him to use me to go change the world. And I want heaven forever. And today I just realized it starts with me saying yes to Jesus. And you just know it, like today's my day. This is my moment. I want him to forgive my sins. I want to make him Lord of my life. I'm not going to be perfect, but I'm ready to say yes to Jesus. Life has been the best it has ever been. I'm all in Jesus, 100%. It's changed everything. Amen, huh? Hey, can you guys grab your envelope and if you can, stand to your feet? Um, uh, first of all, for all of you who have given and sowed into this church, I hope you know that you're a shareholder in life change and you're gonna be in the credits of 52,000 plus stories of salvation and counting. And we just wanted to say thank you and we're just getting started. Just getting started. And um, this is that time where we pray, you know, God, based on all the ways you blessed me, what can I give to build your kingdom and not mine? And this has become my favorite like part of the year for my wife and I for our marriage and how much uh, giving has built our faith with each other and brought us closer. Because um, if this is easy for you, you're a robot. Um, and this is not just saying thank you, God, for your faithfulness and everything you've done so far this year, but it's also, as we move into 2023, like I don't wanna coast into it. I wanna, I wanna go into it outside of my comfort zone, knowing how much my faith makes you smile. And, and uh, it's like we, we take a step and then God meets us, and we take a step and then God meets us, and that's how I wanna start my next year. And uh, this is no obligation, this is no instruction. I uh, hope we've made that clear over the last few weeks. I hope this series has been healing for a lot of you in so many ways. Um, this is invitation in every way imaginable, not because this church needs anything from you. God's got us. He's done nothing but prove that for four years as a church plant through a pandemic. Like, we're good. It's about what God has for you. Um, but man, I just, when you boldly believe you sow, and the more you sow, the more, the more that grows. It's like God designed the universe to, it's like the law of gravity. Trust the law. Um, and so the baskets are gonna be passed at some point during worship and you can, you can give cash or check in here, fill this out. Um, you can also give online, follow this QR code or the QR code that's gonna be on the screen on your phone or, um, and give there. Um, and then you can still write like on here, I gave on my phone and then put this in the basket if you'd like. But um, I just pray for a really beautiful moment of worship. You know, we worship by singing all the time and today we get to worship by singing and by, by giving. And so I'm praying for those moments for all of you between you and God. Intimacy and proximity that you've never felt before ever. As you release something, say, God, you make this into what I never could. If I know my father, then I know my father has good plans for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.